host, uh, bad-mouthing weatherman. And I've only ever really had a, a, a serious, honest con- conversation with one TV weatherman in my life. And we yeah. were, I won't mention him because it's, he wouldn't dig this. But um, uh, he, uh, we, we were drinking, and so he was. Uh, we were all drinking. Little truth serum. <laughs> and he's a well-known TV weather guy. Yeah. And he said, oh, my life is a living hell. And just <laughs> everywhere he goes, nonstop... And it happened even while we were there at the bar. Hey, you said it was going to be nice last Saturday, and we planned a blank, and, you know, that sort of thing. And it was windy. (laughs) My life is a living hell. (laughs) God, you combine that with... funny. I just happened to have a conversation with a friend. Um, He's a friendly acquaintance who's uh, an athlete, uh, was a pro athlete and quite well-known. And we're talking about how people just don't know how to act. And if you're really famous, famous, I think that would, I think that would be a terrible curse. Oh, it'd be awful. Oh my gosh! I mean, I'm going to change what this guy does. I'm going to turn him into a football player. Okay. okay. So he's a baseball player. He's <laughs> so he's a basketball player. In tennis. He's, he's a tennis player. He's actually w- one of the greatest croquet players in his county. No, he's a f- well-known former pro athlete. And he's become a recluse because nobody can talk to him about anything but his job and just gush all over him. Mm. It's like if Brad Pitt is your neighbor, what's the last thing you want to do? Hey, Brad, uh, I saw your next your last movie. Your last movie was great. That was you know great. What? what was it like working with him? You're so handsome, Brad. You What's know it what? like, Brad? I would hit him with Fight Club one-liners all the time. Oh, God. I bet he loves that. And he would hate you. He would hate you with a burning hate. <laughs> anyway, I kind of felt bad. So, yeah, to be famous, famous, even like TV weatherman famous, I think would be horrific. The, the one good thing about being a gigantic uh, international radio star... <laughs> Is, is that <clears throat> there are a limited number of people who know what he'll look like. That's the best part. Yeah, um, I, did, anyway. I did say to the drunk weatherman, well, if you'd stop lying to people, they wouldn't be so mad at you. <laughs> eh, boy, before you know it, you're rolling around on the floor <laughs> trading blows. <laughs> so, hey, listen, before we get on with the business of the hour, it is time to take a fond look back at the week that was. It's Cow Clips of the Week. <laughs> It has a deep, complex, well-thought-out, multi-month negotiated verification complex. For all of those of you who've been knocked down, counted out, left behind, this is your campaign. Hillary Clinton has announced that she's starting a podcast. And, uh, okay, now I do think we should lock her up. <laughs> the year was 19 Ricky Ticky Tabby. And me and Nelson Mandela were palling around South Africa Green Book style. To be honest, I much prefer our dystopia where a talking box listens to all our conversations and then tells Jeff Bezos when I'll need underwear next. It's such a convenient way to give up everything. Well, after a conversation with MSNBC, I decided tonight will be my last hardball. We hold these truths to be self-evident. All men and women created by the... Go, you know the, you know the thing. Listen, if yep. you want to date a 38-year-old hairstylist in Sacramento, just go get your haircut in Sacramento. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> An Ohio man is attempting to break a world record by drinking only beer during Lent. If you're wondering what he's giving up, I'm guessing custody? 
There is your projected winner in American Samoa, the former mayor of New York, Michael Bloomberg. We might see Democrats starting to to ask Sanders to look. Let's just don't drag this thing out any any more than we have to. You have released the whirlwind, and you will pay the price. Come on, younglings, get off your TikTok, Snapchats, and vote. And no sayin' bushwhacking, horns swoggling, crocker crocker is gonna roll away, Mrs. Cutter. Oh my god! Funnier every time I hear it. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Ah. I demand to hear that a couple more times this hour, Sean. I got some uh, coronavirus for you here in a second. But, oh, I wanted to talk about the Chris Matthews clip in there where he abruptly quit this week. Oh, yeah. Uh, uh, New York Post had an interview with the woman who who brought forward the charges, using my finger quotes. There were no charges. The accusations. The accusations. Yes. And she said she was shocked that he quit and said, I didn't consider it sexual harassment or anything like that. So he left one of the most prominent uh, political pundit jobs in America under a swirl of, I just didn't think it was nice or something. She it, it was inappropriate. Yeah, she didn't even, yeah. she herself didn't even think it rose to the level of sexual harassment, let alone like something criminal. So it's just annoying. Or a little creepy. Creepy's or not something. a good thing to well, be. it's not, but. Avoid it. We we got to figure this out. I know a lot of you all listening hate Chris Matthews, but do we want to b- run people out of their industries for these sorts of things? For annoying someone? No, cancel culture is horrific. I and I I I see it against a guy like Chris Matthews, who I have gotten into a shouting match match with. But um, it's terrible. It's just terrible. Yeah, I well, don't want witch hunts. Well, the, but but. I still believe I think it had more to do with his strong position on Bernie than anything else. I just think he's out of step with the modern MSNBC thing. Um, they realize the Democrat Party's going uh, has gone a different direction. Yes. And there's no point having him around anymore. But his statement was all about, I made jokes in the past and they were wrong then, they're wrong now, and I feel bad about them and I apologize and... This will be my last hardball. He didn't so much as wink at ideology or, or old man Bernie or he anything knows. like that. He knows his time is up. I think that's uh, what it is. He mentioned about uh, the, there's a new young yep. wing ready to yep. step in, and, and, and he, he hinted at it without yeah. actually yeah. addressing we, it. We played yeah. an edited version of it. I watched the whole okay. thing. And, and he did say something. There's a new people. on. It's their time now, and they've got a different way of looking things. He just recognizes he recognized when he looked at the people with the wide eyes when he was talking about socialism and burying stuff like that. Like these, these, this, I'm in a different crowd. Yeah, but what I, about I, my the, time has passed? What about the only reason I showed up here today? The paycheck. Does he just have so much money he doesn't care anymore? I my understanding of table news contracts is yes. Okay, <laughs> yeah. and he's been there for a long time, but. Um, I mean, I, some vague feeling that uh, time has moved on. <laughs> I do think he, as long as they're paying me. I do think he recognizes it's a completely different world. I got a great example, and I hope like this isn't boring, but I, this sticks in my mind all the time. After Bill Clinton gave his speech before Hillary was nominated, so that was 2016, I guess? Mm-hmm. must have been 2016. Mm-hmm. So Bill gave the big speech um, at the convention. I remember. And he told the story about when they met. And when the speech was over, they had the people there on MSNBC 
and included Rachel Maddow to react to it. And Brian Williams said something like, powerful speech, I think, that and Rachel Maddow said, whoa, uh, well, uh, where do we start on that? I met a girl? That's not going to play very well. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Rachel Maddow was just horrified by some of the things Bill Clinton had said, because he started his story, his speech with, I met a girl. I'm at the library, and I see a girl. I met a girl? Oh, Rachel Maddow was just beside herself. Problematic. With a, yeah, with a number of things he had mentioned through the speech that right. were just a guy talking about meeting his girlfriend and falling in love and yeah. stuff like that. Yeah. And that's the sort of thing Chris Matthews recognized around him at MSNBC thinking, it's just, it's a new world. I'm not for this one. And I hate it. I hate it. <laughs> and there's just, they, they got no time for me. I'm going to go hang around with Snuffleupagus and we'll talk about the good old times. So I'm saying if you lean either old school or conservative or whatever, you don't want Chris Matthews replaced by whatever else is coming on MSNBC. More of that whole, it's all about the misogyny that booted out Elizabeth Warren and all that sort of crap. Whatever. Yeah. Yep. Ideologies, they some of them move like a train down the tracks, and they just keep going and going until they take over. Some are more like a, a pendulum. And just when you think, oh, no, it's, it's getting worse and worse, well, it reverses field and kind of goes away. I have a feeling the ultra-woke uh, ridiculousness is going to get much worse before it gets better. Um, but there's part of me that thinks, okay, go full on nuts. So college campus woke on MSNBC, it will end you. Mm. Uh, but I don't know. I don't have a high degree of certainty with that that prediction. Oh, I like the stuff uh, Tucker Carlson was saying the other night um, about uh, Elizabeth's candidacy dying of wokeness. We should probably play a little bit of that for you in a little bit. I wonder if all uh, politicians are learning a lesson this cycle about. Um, how easily you get misled by Twitter, mm-hmm. by social media. I think that so. It, it represents a tiny chunk of stuff. That'd be a good uh, example of the pendulum thing. People, you know, came to a realization and then, then you know, applied the brakes, reined back and, and thought, okay, that's the outer 5% of my followers. I, I can't, you know, I can't follow their dictates. Right. Um, so we, we've got that coming up. Also, this mathematician, he wrote a book called The Rules of Contagion just recently. Pretty good timing. And uh, he's taking a look at the coronavirus from a mathematical standpoint. And some of his analysis is uh, really good. And on our side of the argument on coronavirus. Yeah, excellent. And I have yet more testimony from medical professionals uh, and how their point of view differs from the media's point of view. Cool. All on the way. China took extremely aggressive measures. Obviously, they were not able to completely wall off the outbreak from spreading to other countries. But be clear, the reason we're seeing numbers allegedly drop right now in China is because of the interventions that they took. So there may be some lesson in that for the rest of the world. I'm skeptical. Who was that from where and who's paying them? 
Yeah, wait a minute. Who I'm making my that? squinty face. Who is that from where, Michael? Where did that come from? Do you know? I just know it was Dr. Jennifer yeah. Aston. I would like to know what company she works for. Or and what how. university that's getting Chinese yeah. funding. Or how and how and What financial incentive may have played a role in that? Wall Street Journal out with a story today. How it all started. China botched its early responses to corona, dating back to the very first patients. The result is a global crisis. Somebody doing the PR work on TV of... And uh, the way they've handled it is a model for the rest of the world. Sounds China's money's involved in that somehow. Straight out of the Chinese propaganda machine. Absolutely. Clearly, obviously. Um, so there's this wow, guy. Wow, who is that gal? I wanted to, you got to investigate her. Yeah, I, I'm really pretty interested in where that came from. So this guy, he's a mathematician at the London School of Hygiene and Tropical Medicine. Every kid dreams of getting into uh, studying... Uh, Hygiene and tropical medicine? Oh, man, what a better gig than, like, hygiene and far northern medicine, where you got to go to, you know, the Yukon all the time and it's freezing cold. This guy probably goes to Hawaii all the time. Yeah, yeah, i got to uh, study the uh, tropical medicine in uh, American Samoa. Yeah, I'll be back in a week. Anyway, he's a mathematician, and he understands the outbreaks of diseases like Ebola, SARS, influenza, and now Corona. Uh, through a mathematician's view of it, he just wrote a book called The Rules of Contagion just a couple of months ago. Good timing for him. Yeah. And so he's be, kind of become a go-to guy. And here's some of the questions he answered for the New York Times. So can we look at the total number of deaths and the current number of cases? Can we just look at the number of deaths and current number of cases? He said the problem with just dividing the total number of deaths and the total number of cases <laughs> is that it doesn't account for unreported cases or the delay from illness to death. Or as we've been putting it, nobody has the slightest idea how many cases there are total, so how can you figure a percentage? If you have two deaths from two cases, as it happened in Iran last month, that most likely means you missed a bunch of cases. Right. It doesn't mean the death rate is 100%. Right. Um, Oh, man, the media is just... Are they irresponsible, or can they not comprehend that? They don't think of it. We've seen all sorts of numbers for fatality rates. Does the latest estimate of 3.4% globally make sense? I'd say on best available data, when we adjust for unreported cases and the various delays involved, we're probably looking at a fatality risk of probably between maybe 0.5 and 2% for people with system symptoms. But getting back to the other answer, there's just so much unknown information out there. Well, don't have any idea how many people have the case. And it's pretty well recognized. Some people are asymptomatic. So, yeah. Because we, Anderson, we got this text. Anderson Cooper was just interviewing a guy on CNN who had coronavirus. He basically said he had a fever for eight or nine hours, and it was less than the common cold in terms of uh, being uncomfortable. Wow. How many people have had the coronavirus like that? And and think twice about it. You know, my daughter and her boyfriend live almost right on top of that part of the Seattle-Tacoma area where the most deaths have occurred at that old folks' home. Um, And they both had a very brief illness with fever. And I remember thinking, oh, no, you know, she's kind of new on the job, and I hope she doesn't miss days of work or have to. And a lot of us have done this when we're young. And, um, you know, you show up and grind away even though you feel terrible. But... No, it, it was striking. It was a day and a half or two days later, she reported that they were both feeling much better. And I was so relieved. It's entirely possible they had it. Sure. It uh, sounds like it, and they sure weren't counted or part of anybody's math. And I was happy to hear this a news break on the San Diego TV station. The newscaster said, 
Now, keep in mind, there have been 80 flu deaths this flu season in the San Diego area, far more than that. Uh, other scary disease we've been talking about. So right. I, I wish that'd be said more often. Right, right. Um, but that doesn't drive ratings because people are used yeah. to the flu. Uh, Al Anonymous wrote us a note and said, um, my wife works at a children's hospital um, in the pulmonary unit in San Diego. When the coronavirus paranoia started, she said, this is stupid. I see kids with this at the hospital all the time. Hmm. Not that specific virus, but the same symptoms and in, in the same level of danger and the rest of it. That's what she does for a living. I, eh. Oh, and you're... I, I don't know if we can touch enough people, Jack, to make them cynical enough about the media <laughs> to be able to take it in intelligently. Oh, and you pointed out that the the old people dying in Wuhan, China, and they might they're lying about the numbers to start with. Right. But even if they were being honest about the numbers, they're all old elderly smokers. Yeah. With yeah. bad health care. Exactly. You got a 70-year-old chain smoker, gets this thing, and the medical care is they nail their door shut and tell them not to come out. Now, come on, China! And that's who dies. What does that have to do with me? Oh, I heard this. This one I like. I want to adopt this. So in Italy, sure looks like Italy's overreacting. I haven't heard anybody explain what the outbreak's like there, but they canceled all school. And nobody's going to ball games, and all college has been canceled. They've also established this three-foot barrier around all human beings. You shouldn't yes. touch another human being. Wait a love minute. Love that. Where do I sign up for that? Oh. Sorry, I'd love to love to give you a hug there. Person I barely know at work, but uh, I got the three-foot barrier rule. So. Listen, if you'd like to elbow bump, there's an application uh, protocol. It'll only take an hour or so. Outside of my family, I think I should go to a three-foot barrier for all human beings. Just seems like a good precaution. Wear the bubble suit. A zoo in Tennessee recently gained attention after their female Komodo dragon reproduced without a male partner. Or more likely, she's cheating, dude. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. If your wife gets pregnant and you ain't, ain't had sex in a while, you gotta, huh? you gotta take a look at that. Thanks, um, thanks for that. <laughs> I went to high school. I took the class. I know how it works. So USA Today has a powerful front page today. Bridging the gap. Republicans, Democrats agree on ways to turbocharge the economy. And they ask a number of questions, and the answers trouble me. There's a reason why Bernie is uh, so popular and and his view of, of the world. Um, I'll hit you with some of the questions they ask people. Um, the headline, Americans overwhelmingly agree governments should take steps to improve the economy and job market. The government should take steps to improve the economy and job market. I, I believe m- most of what they should do is get out of the way, and it will improve on its own. Agreed. Um, and the more they get involved in trying to make it better, it almost, well, not almost, it always gets worse. Well, the fact that the government is still dragging its feet and doing nothing on infrastructure, which is really the one thing we can all agree the government can probably do, go ahead and maintain the bridges so we can ship goods and, and go to our jobs and the rest of it. The fact that they're not doing that, Gives you an idea of the competence. Number one, create retraining programs 
that give adults the skills to compete for good quality jobs in emerging industries. The government should do that uh, somehow. 88% of Republicans say yes. 84% of Democrats, 77% of independents. There are plenty of libertarian small government people who would object to that, but, I mean, given the state of governments everywhere all the time these days, it's not a terrible idea. Yeah, I just I would guess that government would, would constantly be training for people people for things that aren't what are needed. Oh, yeah, they would always be five years behind. Yeah, yeah. And, and those five years behind useless schools would never, ever go away. It would just grow. Decrease cost of colleges and universities so more Americans can get an education and a good quality job. You give me a year, appoint me as college czar, I could do that. Yeah, Guaranteed. That'd, be, that'd be pretty easy to do. And I'm Guaranteed. not sure that getting an education at college and a good quality job necessarily go together. Um, but, you know, that's a different topic. Uh, upgrade public infrastructure, as Joe was just talking about, such as roads and bridges, to create good jobs and make the economy more productive. That's uh, 80-some percent of everybody agrees with that. I like this one. We differ on just how far governments should go to help workers. Raise the minimum wage so every full-time job provides enough income to keep people above the poverty line. No, that's ridiculous. 80% of Democrats, over half of independents, half of Republicans. Mm. So half of Republicans want the government to set the minimum wage at a point where you can, you know, uh, make a good living. $27. When you. half of Republicans say that, it's over. <laughs> I think it's just over. All over but the shouting. The collapsing? No, the shouting, which is why I'm here. You have just made... I'm not going to shout, though. I'm going to speak to you as if you're an adult. Assuming you are. If you're a child listening to this show, what is the matter with you? You're a bad child. You <laughs> <laughs> child? you got to get better at being a child. Are you going to do the thing? Don't eat some mac and cheese and, and make fart noises with your armpit. Are you doing the thing where people are all fired up and yelling various things, and you're going to take the super calm tone, which is almost more angering than the angry tone, because you're just saying to everybody, I'm better than you. <laughs> that, was, that was exactly what I was going to do. How did you know? <laughs> if you do that, you make it illegal to employ somebody who just brings $11 an hour worth of value. You've outlawed giving them a chance. You've outlawed giving them a break. You've outlawed giving them the chance to earn the skills that would make them worth 15 then 20 then 30 then $100 an hour. You've just forbidden employees to give them a... Uh, I'm sorry, you've forbidden employers from giving them a break. You're not supposed to get by on the minimum wage. That's not what that job's for. No, it's a starter job. It's a job for like a high school kid working in a burger joint. A few hours after school every day, that sort of thing. The idea that you, and, and I don't know, you're deadbeat man or whatever, you knock out a couple of kids, he doesn't even work, you have no skills, you only bring $10 an hour worth of value to an employer, but the government's going to make them pay you 15 because anybody who shows up anywhere and does anything should be able to live on it. That's an interesting theory. I will tell you this. It is unprecedented in human history. So was the Internet. I, I don't know. That just seemed like an argument yeah, to make. exactly. Well, it, it was an argument. <laughs> exactly. It's a yeah. series of tubes, Sean. <laughs> That's my and, understanding. And tubes are not unprecedented, so you're wrong. 
and I'm going to post really snarky things about you on social media. Dang it. Which is just like the bathroom wall, so that's not new either. What should I watch this weekend with the fantasy that I'm going to have time to watch anything? Um, what do you mean? What sort of thing are you hoping to watch? Entertainment-wise yeah. or, or news? I never watch anything purely for entertainment. I wish I did more often, but I almost never do. But Better Call Saul, I could jump into that. Oh, yeah. yeah. You I've only enjoy. seen a couple episodes ever, but I really liked it. Start with season one. Yeah. Just because it's not getting notably better or worse, I don't think. It's just maintained no, its fabulous quality. Yeah, yeah. I would say start with season one. If you're looking for something with a, a shorter... Or a less time requirement total. Um, the HBO documentary McMillions about the how the mob infiltrated the McDonald's oh, million dollar giveaway game. I keep game hearing how good that it's is. It's awesome. Yeah. And FBI agent. I'm afraid it'll make me hungry. <laughs> <laughs> FBI agent Doug is one of the. He is a character. Yeah. Okay. He, he was he was like the young go getter in the FBI. And his thing was because he was he was stationed in Jacksonville where a lot of this stuff happened and all of their the FBI stuff there was like insurance fraud. Jacksonville, Florida. Yeah, Jacksonville, yeah, okay. Florida. Yeah. And he was just he kept trying to convince. Hey, can I go undercover on this thing? No, why not? Let me go. Let me go do some. Ca- and he so, just wanted to be undercover. Yeah, yeah. So he finally got his opportunity to do this. And the way that the other kind of more grizzled, buttoned-up FBI agents talk about him is hilarious. Like, yeah, it, okay. It's, it's it's really fun. It's huh. a fun watch. Judy and I uh, needed a new binge watch because we're totally caught up on the marvelous Mrs. Maisel mm-hmm. at this point. And uh, we went with The Wire. Oh, going old school because it's hailed as one of the best TV yes. series ever. A couple of issues. Number one, some of the street accents. I can't understand what the hell they're saying. Hmm? And and the second thing is, everybody's <laughs> carrying pagers. Yes. And it's distracting. It is, yes. It's somewhat dated. And they look at this little device, and I'm like, oh, yeah, pagers. <laughs> it's just distracting. I am now at the point where I almost exclusively watch shows with the subtitles on. Good. I'm glad to hear that because, you know, you're significantly younger than I am, but my hearing is is actually quite good. But, man, I miss dialogue. I miss dialogue like crazy on the TV. I tried to get I've tried to get a number of people into the original office because I think it's the best TV show that was ever made. Mm -hmm. And you have to watch it with the subtitles on because the English accent is so thick. Yeah. And yeah, because I told my brother, he said, I tried watching, I just couldn't follow. I said, you got to do the subtitles. Yeah. It's impossible, I'm, even I'm, though it's English. I'm glad to hear that that's kind of coming out of the shadows. Yeah. The, and you'll notice, the, the, my favorite thing is you'll get weird stage directions or you'll hear somebody vaguely shouting in the background, but right. the subtitles will have actually what they say. Right. And, and it's, it's impossible to hear it, but yeah, now you yeah. know. Yeah. Or, or funny descriptions like, and the crowd murmurs, or, you know, just random. <laughs> I, I Yeah, I quite enjoy it. Man, yeah. it's it's something. If you sit down and you have an hour to watch TV now in the modern world, because I got the Disney and the Netflix mm-hmm. and everything like that, and there's just so and everything I whatever I choose is going to be great. Mm-hmm. Going to be great. Like Netflix, I could choose any of these stand-up comedians I've never seen before in my life. They'll be perfectly good enough to watch. It's just it's astounding. It's an embarrassment of riches. Uh, haven't watched it yet, but Tom Papa. Um, has a new stand-up special out. He's he opened for Seinfeld for a long time. Very as good of a comedian as you can ever see. Oh, really? I've heard wonderful things. I plan on watching that this week, and I just want to throw that out as another option. You, you ever, ever seen? Uh, yeah, Blazing Saddles. You ever seen that? I have seen that. movie. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's right. We did <laughs> right. want to play this. This is actually uh, from the Joe Biden story. It's his campaign uh, autobiography. And no sideways and bushwhacking, horn swoggling, crocker crocker is going to roll away. 
Now, who can argue with that? (laughs) (laughs) The brilliance of Mel Brooks. When I see all the choices for TV, I always think about, like, the regular economy. Um, if you if you could just get rid of all the the shackles you've put on talent in America in so many different ways, ah, the, yeah. the the impediments. Look what could happen because unless you think people have just gotten so much more creative in the last ten years, no, there were these um, impediments to creativity getting to television. Mm-hmm. It's you, you only had three channels and you had a couple of gatekeepers and it just stopped. And then, obviously, all this great stuff just never made it. Mm-hmm. Then you open it up, and there's so many great writers, actors, ideas out there. Yeah, There, there was the gatekeeper bottleneck. There was also the technological bottleneck that now you can make something on your iPhone, and and that's good enough quality to get picked up and turned into a series in some way. Look at the crap we were watching 30 years ago, when there was brilliance out there somewhere. Right. We were watching just stupid crap with stilted dialogue and tired stories. Right, right. The other aspect of it, I think, is that the the concept of when you are going to watch something is totally vanished. It used to be you had a, you had a night to have a hit, if it was a TV movie or something like that. Now you can spend time and money and creativity and create something and essentially say to the human race, this will be here whenever you want to watch it. So come watch it. And, and, you know, eventually lots and lots of people watch it. But the same thing is true for music. Without a DVR, or without rather a a VCR. Without the gatekeepers of a couple of companies deciding what band or musician was going to be good, you find out, wow, every town in America has got like 30 great musicians Mm -hmm. writing great stuff and all that. It's it's amazing. Yeah. Unfortunately, yeah, there's just, if there's one problem with that, it's that, it's tough for people to hang with it long enough to really reach their creative peak because you can't oh, yeah. make any money anymore. Yeah. Whereas in the movie business, um, it's 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 limited enough that people are still making a living. But you know that's the way of the world. I'm uh, I'm a liberty guy. I love I love freedom. That is the way the marketplace is gone. That's the new reality. Music will endure. People will be banging on stuff and singing songs long after Led Zeppelin is dead. Mm-hmm. You know. Actually, a quarter of Led Zeppelin is already dead. But anyway, the rest of them, you get my point. Um, and it will go. Say it right in bushwhacking, horn swoggling, crocker crocker, is going to roll away. This is going to. There's John Bonham right there. <laughs> Armstrong and Getty. Somebody tweeted recently that um, actually with the money he spent, he could have given every American a million dollars. got it. Let's put it up yeah. on the screen. It, when I read it uh, tonight on social media, it kind of all became clear. Bloomberg spent $500 million on ads, U.S. population $327 million. Uh, don't tell us if you're ahead of us on the math. He could have given each American one million dollars and have had lunch money left over it's an incredible way of putting it it's an incredible way of putting it it's true it's disturbing it does it does suggest you know what we're talking about here which is there's too much money in politics every single thing that was said was inaccurate and stupid every single word i believe and i will stand by this 
That was the single dumbest segment in the history of television. Yeah, the one of the um, editorial board members for the New York Times has called it the saddest clip in TV history. Uh, oh, sure. Okay. Yeah. Another way of putting it. Yeah. It was very sad. And everything that was said was false. <laughs> yeah, I, I've done that's this. That's true. I've and done, that's troubling. I've done this before myself. You you're know, troubling. When you're on the air, you got a lot of things you're thinking about and doing at the same time. Sure. But this one's not, like, complicated. If you got 300 people and you give them each a million, that's 300 million. So what if you have 330 million people? <laughs> but so <laughs> if you gave them each a buck and a half, the math checks out. But the fact that Brian Williams apparently looked at it for a while, thought about it, then talked about it later, and then the guests and a producer or two. We're involved and nobody... Uh... They prepared the graphic <laughs> and put it up there. And, and what was really ironic is he said, now if you're getting ahead of us on the math, hang on. It's a million dollars each. I'm looking at some of the responses on Twitter to the yes. video. Yes. One way to get rich is to keep asking Brian Williams to give you two tens for a five. <laughs> That's one of my favorite jokes as a kid. <laughs> you got two tens for a five. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's a hashtag, and there's just a gazillion people beating them up online. But, yeah, the fact that the New York Times editorial board called it the saddest clip in TV history is hilarious. Wow. Wow. (laughs) Oh, well. My wife, when she was uh, young, was a bank teller. You remember them? Bank tellers. Um, But they had to get training on these uh, quick change artists who would come in. And give you a, a you know a hundred dollar bill, and they say, "Can I have five twenties, uh, please?" And uh, okay, no problem. Oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. That's right, I need tens. Can I? And then they'd try to confuse you and get it mixed up. And they had they had a thing, mm. and they would get you. you they'd end up walking out with a hundred fifty dollars, and they got trained to detect that. Uh, another response is uh, this wasn't just a slip; it was passed. It passed muster with producers, and they even made a graphic. Hashtag damn. Yeah, uh, like you said. Yeah. I mean, we've gotten emails that, hey, guys, did you realize that blankety-blank is blank? And, you know, similar thing, and you read it and think, wow, wait a minute, hmm, that's interesting. But, I mean, that's just, you know, scrolling through and reading it. That's not preparing a segment and having a guest to discuss it. A guest who, by the way, had nothing to say. <laughs> Except that is true, and that is troubling. <laughs> Here's your host for Final Thoughts, Joe Getty. I hadn't heard those weird extra tom-tom beats in there. Huh. Hey, let's get a final thought from everybody on the crew. There he is, Michelangelo, pressing the buttons. What's your final thought? All right, if you have a college son or daughter, show him the following movies. Blazing Saddles, Airplane, and Caddyshack, and they'll be freaking out about how politically incorrect those movies are, but they're funny movies. True that. A uh, positive Sean, our producer, final thought for us? Yes, uh, Better Call Saul. We mentioned it briefly before. This season, possibly as good as it gets on TV. It is so, so good. Excellent. Yeah, I'm really enjoying it. Jack, a final thought for you? Joey Chestnut set the all-time record for Big Max. He ate 38 in 30 minutes. Um, and I was going to see how many Big Macs I could eat. I think I'm going to take that on today, and I will be <sighs> tweeting out pictures and videos. Oh, boy. Yeah, be sure to include the audio for, you know, like tomorrow. Um, Nobody wants that. 
Do you think I could eat three? I'm not even sure I could eat three in a day. In one sitting in or one in a day? day? Oh, yeah, 100%. Well, I don't know. Listen, you're a little older than you used to be, but I remember the the, the, the Cheeseburger Tuesdays when we used to go and get a bag full of them. You're like a lion. <laughs> uh, my final thought is my dog Baxter is codependent. I realized this um, yesterday. He really has some severe insecurity problems, and we need counseling. Mm-hmm. Because he's clingy, and uh, I get that he loves me, but uh, I need my own space. <laughs> he's so, clingy. Uh, Telling you we, what, that's that's the, the greatness of the, the humble pug. They don't care if you're there or not. Wow. Just like a cat. Oh, man. Baxter is like your most neurotic boyfriend slash girlfriend ever. It takes some getting used to, because I've always had dogs like that. Yeah. I can walk in the door with, uh, with our pug sitting on the couch. He kind of opens his eyes a little, looks at me. Closes them back down again. Oh, if you're, he gives oh, you're you a, here. If he gives you a sup. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Biggest That's thing ever. Yo. Armstrong and Getty wrapping up another grueling four-hour workday. Oh, that reminds me. Hey, Hanson, make a note. i got to tell the sup story on Monday, all right? Just popped in my head. Hey, go to armstrongandgetty.com. All of our podcasts are there to download. Armstrong and Getty swag. Oh, we've got some funny new T-shirts. Uh, also, you can hear Positive Sean's tearful apology over the stupid Bloomberg money story <laughs> and much more. See you Monday. God bless America. Look, it, that's all the time we have for today. I'd like to thank Sideshow Mel, Corporal Punishment, Tina Valeria, oh, and from Max Landing, Miss Donna Mills. Oh, she was a sport. We've had lots and lots and lots and lots and lots of fun. Now the time has come. To go, if this still cop was found dead in his bed tomorrow, I'd be in heaven still doing this show. See you some other time! <laughs> <laughs> <sighs>